You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Look, the thing that's changed right now is when something's not right, somebody says something. I don't know if we have three or four or whatever guys yet, but somebody says something and everybody listens. So we've all we've we've grown in the leadership, but we've also grown in the followership. It's not anymore, you know, like F you, I ain't listening to you. Now it's oh, somebody told me something. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's my teammate. I'm gonna do it that way. So I think the, that whole that whole group has, has grown as leaders and followers. You know, we, we attack. It's it's kind of hard because I wasn't here before. You know, I've only been here since Coach Frost has been here. But you can slowly see there's more and more buy-in day by day. We're just getting literally better and better. You know, we, we attack each day. We're excited. I know you guys were there early in the morning. I mean, we get pumped for practice. You know, we're here early in the morning, but we're pumped to get better. Yeah, leaders, uh, Tanner Farmer, uh, Gerald Foster, uh, Stanley Morgans doing a great job. You know, those guys have been in the fire. They understand what it takes. And uh, so those, those three have, you know, have really caught my eye and my attention as, in terms of leadership. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. We are in the thick of it, boys. Pads are on. We're a week into fall camp as Nebraska, um, you know, making their way through just one more full week after this week of true camp and then they'll go you know classes start but i'm told that that third week will still be treated like a camp week but we've learned a lot here um and just over a week of practice um and really i think let's start with culture i mean i I know that's been a continuing point we've talked about hammering home uh but the culture change uh, of of just what's happened to this program internally with scott frost and and, in you know the way the players have really transformed nutritionally with the strength coach. I mean, I think those are really where we have to start here, some of the big picture takeaways from this opening week of fall camp. We definitely saw a lot of tangible evidence of that. I mean, obviously with the strength and conditioning stuff, um, you know, guys getting stronger, putting up more weight than they ever have or even fathom they would be able to. Uh, But now you're starting to see, based on the comments from some of these post-practice interviews and from the coaches and players alike, that there's really a buy-in involved here, um, and it's happened pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, Eric Shenander's comments in the open there about, um, you know, not only are guys buying into what the coaches are doing and what they're teaching and what they're preaching, they're buying into each other and accepting peer leadership and not being defensive when another player calls them out for doing something wrong. You know, there's an accountability factor within that locker room that that takes a long time to develop. And that is probably as crucial as players believing in the coaches, because if you don't have guys that can, um, you know, coach each other on the field and accept that coaching, um, your progress is going to be stunted. And that's why I think you started to see this team make so many big strides so quickly is because not only are they fully invested in their new staff and what they're doing, um, they're trusting each other and they're believing in each other to kind of guide each other in the right direction. Yeah, that, that accountability is, is a big deal. And it, it starts in the weight room. Um, and like you said, we you can actually see the difference that the strength conditioning program has done for these guys. I, I think it's been a long time where across the board, everyone has looked as good as, as they uh, do right now in, in fall camp. But to me, one thing that kind of stands out is is how they talk. You know, they kind of, they talk like the coaches. They, they're, the message is the same. And, and to me, that, that kind of proves that they're fully bought in and, uh, and that they're, they're preaching what they hear from the coaches each and every day. And so, I think, you know, this is always the time of year where you, you kind of, it's hard not to drink the Kool-Aid because, you know, everyone is, is uh, undefeated right now, but it, it really does feel different this year. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as 
we start off the show just with some opening headlines here. And guys, we got a 110 man roster. Thank you, Jared Lamprick, by the way, for making this happen. To, you know, Robin and I always joke, we used to be really the only people that would try to put together the, it was a 105. This year it's a 110. And we would always get about 103, 104. Mm-hmm. And Robin, Dan Hoppen, uh, who used to be with us, we'd try to get Nate. Um, and we'd miss one guy, so obscure walk on. And, Somebody would let us know we missed that guy or this or that, but uh, Nebraska made it easy. We got the full 110-man camp roster, and it's just really interesting to get the information in front of you, who is on this roster, who's on camp, in camp, how many walk-ons made it. And I think that's where you have to start. The number of true freshman walk-ons that they brought into camp um, is as many as I can ever remember, and that goes all the way back to that Sam Fultz, Brandon Riley, Janovich class. I think there's more in this class than there were um, in that group alone. So um, that's what jumped out to me. No Dominic Watt, though. Um, He is not on the 110, um, but they're still very confident he can make it, and they can add him to the 110 uh, up to next week and replace him, you know, because usually a guy or two gets hurt with a minor bumper bruise, and you can bring players on and off that 110 um, if that's the case. So they're really optimistic on that. A couple scholarship guys not on there, Cedric King and Quayshawn Alexander. So just three total scholarship guys when you count Watt not listed on this 110. Uh, but what jumped out to you on this, Robin? Well, uh, you know, I thought there weren't any like major surprises, especially because the fact that Quayshawn and Cedric King, you know, that had kind of been leaked before we got the official camp roster. But, um, you know, I think it, kind of like you mentioned, uh, the amount of freshmen at one and just newcomers in general i mean the fact that uh you know a good almost one third of the roster is completely different than the spring roster we were just looking at it took some time to just reacclimate ourselves with some of these faces and numbers i had to check rosters a couple times to see who's wearing what number and um you know i, I think that's probably kind of a testament to the work the staff has put in to completely reshape the look of this football team from day one and you know the fact that they've made this much turnover in such a short amount of time uh, really leads to believe that this is going to be a completely different team than what we saw last year yeah, a lot of freshmen walk on but they don't necessarily stand out like like walk-ons have in the past i, I feel like the the freshman walk-ons that are in the the 110 right now they all look the part i mean they're they're an impressive looking group it all the newcomers all the freshman scholarship guys all look the part too but those freshman walk-ons I, I mean I, time will tell but it looks to me like they signed one heck of a walk-on class and and these guys uh, will will have an opportunity to certainly help this team going forward. I mean in, in Nate we've talked about this in recruiting it was the perfect year to kind of double down on in-states because the Dakotas went real light mm-hmm. for whatever reason the, the Dakotas didn't offer Moses Bryant they didn't offer Joey Johnson Bryson Cruel. Yeah. I mean, guys that to me are no-brainers I, I mean and I'm not saying North Dakota State because they're they're a, they're arguably a top 25 team overall in college football, regardless of level, but South Dakota, North Dakota, the lower two of the four, it's kind of surprising uh, because these guys can play. I mean, they're, they're scholarship level guys. I wouldn't be surprised you know, if Moses Bryant was put on scholarship. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they said, oh, and by the way, we're putting on him immediately. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's that type of talent. And the fact that nobody touched him and then they project him now as a corner, he's listed as a corner, not a running back. Uh, but him and Joey Johnson, you, you wrote about Bryce, uh, Bryson Cruel 
Um, man, that, that, that's a good-looking group. Yeah, I mean, they don't, like I said, they don't look like freshman walk-ons. I mean, usually those guys kind of stand out. Uh, you can tell a difference between the, the scholarship guys and the walk-ons, but not these guys. I mean, Bryson Cruel, I, I had to do a double-take because, um, I mean, I, I thought I was missing, you know, kind of a veteran tight end out there that was wearing a new number because he doesn't look like uh, he's only been on campus for a short time. He looks like a like he's been in the program for a couple years. So. Yeah. I mean, all these guys looked the part, and, and based off of their film and what they accomplished in high school, yeah, it's shocking that they didn't have more attention uh, coming out you know, before they signed last year. Well, we've got a full show here on tap. Uh, we're going to break it down into different parts. We're going to talk recruiting at the end, but uh, we're going to do an offensive segment, a defensive segment, and because we're Rivals.com and we like the incoming guys, we're going to do a newcomer slash freshman segment uh, and give some early thoughts and takes on what we've learned here uh, throughout the course of fall camp. But lots to talk about here first in our offensive segment as we've got quarterbacks, Trey Bryant's back, Maurice Washington's here, um, offensive line has kind of come together. Um, so a lot of different news and notes that we're going to hit on here in our next segment. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. They have basically started where we left off in spring and now some of the more finer details about what we're doing from snap to snap and all those sorts of things are coming into play. So they're, they're progressing well and Andrew's doing a nice job and um, so like I said it you know they, they, they've kind of started where they've uh, left off. So it's been good. So far so good. I would say it's a, a little bit of everything you know we're, we're competitive we root for each other we strive for each other's success because ultimately we want to win and we have fun man I mean we're we joke, but we know when to be serious when we need to be, you know, uh, during team period, during this or that. We're just really trying to better each other and compete. We know what it's about. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as we talk quarterbacks here out of the gates. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and we're going to talk quarterbacks a lot. Unfortunately, we don't really have a lot of definitive pieces to give you, and I think that's by design. As you heard Mario Verduzco say, all three of the top quarterbacks are getting equal reps in practice um, they try to divvy that up between um, the, the three main guys, Tristan Jebbia, Adrian Martinez, and Andrew Bunch. Now, Noah Vedrill, because the situation is a little different, and now we do know for sure that he will not play this year. Um, he was originally trying to petition to the NCAA to have a waiver to play this season. Uh, he has dropped the petition and will take a red shirt. So his role is going to be different. They're also, they also have Matt Masker on there as a walk-on true freshman out of Kearney Catholic. Uh, but Robin... You know, I, I just get the feeling no one's going to tip their hand on this deal until they absolutely have to. Yeah, we asked Verdusco, you know, if there's any of those guys that had taken the, the bull by the horn, so to speak, in this quarterback competition, and his answer was all three of them. So that's what they're going to tell you, and I guarantee you it's going to stay that way and probably, in my, in my opinion, up to that first Monday press conference when they actually have to – uh, release a depth chart uh, for that first game against Akron. And until then, uh, they're going to keep it close to the vest. And, you know, you, me, and everybody listening is going to have to wait and find out. But uh, I can also guarantee you that there's plenty of dialogue and a wide open conversation about what exactly is going on in that competition and where things stand each and every day. I guarantee you they go over film, uh, you know, review the good and the bad, and there's probably a pretty clear sense of how things are going right now. I know a lot of players uh, in that quarterback room, uh, you know, they, they talk about just focusing on themselves, not worrying about what the next guy's doing, and, uh, you know, that's the only way they can do the day-by-day -day stuff, but, you know, every cliche in the book. But 
it's, it seems to me that, you know, this is going to go all the way up and through fall camp until that first game week before we finally get a clear-cut answer of who the quarterback will be on September 1st. Yeah, there's no question they all know where exactly where they stand. You know, coming out of spring, they, they did the – the, uh, the much-talked-about Mario Verduzco quarterback test, uh, which Adrian Martinez said took over four hours to complete. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. Um, and then, you know, the thing about it is, though, is he doesn't share those results with the other quarterbacks, but uh, only with, with the particular quarterback and his family. So they, they kind of know that the family gets their own progress report, I guess, uh, as far as how much uh, they're, they're, they're learning, where, where exactly they stand. But uh, they all had certain things they had to work on in the offseason, and, and I think they're, they're going to continue to, to kind of be evaluated day by day with that. Uh, but the thing that stands out with me, or to me, with all the quarterbacks, is just how mature they all are. Uh, they all say the right things. They they all seem, you know, come across as leaders. And uh, so, regardless of who wins the job, I, I think that they're going to be, you know, uh, accepted by the team and, and be, you know, one of the main leaders heading into the season. All right, I'm going to cut the BS here. All of everyone listening wants to know who we think is going to start. So, on the count of three, I'm going to count to three. All of us say who we think takes a snap week one. One. Two, three. Martinez. Adrian, Adrian Martinez. Martinez. <laughs> no question. I mean, there is a question. I shouldn't say no question. I mean, I, I, I think Jebbia is much closer than yes. you know some people think. But in the end, you know, we've talked about this before. I think what's going to outweigh everything is the long-term uh, ceiling. Upside. Yeah, the upside. And I think Martinez has the edge there. I mean, I think he's a better fit for what they want to do. He has the more dynamic running ability. He's gone from 198 to 218, 220 yeah. range on his weight in just a matter of months. Yep. And for a true freshman to come in and have that type of poise like Nate was talking about, and, and Jebbia has plenty of that too, but yeah. uh, you add in all these factors that are voting for Adrian Martinez, I think they're ultimately going to weigh out when all is said and done. Well, one thing that was interesting uh, to me talking with Adrian Martinez following Wednesday practice was that uh, you know he said he really got his first taste of kind of being a vocal leader on the team during the program you know one of the the final tests that they went through uh, when the program came to town you know the, the Navy SEALs uh, he was picked by them to, to kind of lead the team through the, the final test and it was at that point in time that he really had his opportunity to be a vocal leader. And, and I think that everyone, you know, was pretty wowed by how he handled himself with that. that that's something that Stanley Morgan talked about. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, just from talking with Adrian Martinez about that, I, I think that may have been, you know, maybe a turning point as far as just him being a leader. We all know what his skill set is like, but as far as being a leader, I think that was a, a big deal that happened over the summer. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Let's move on on the offensive talk, guys. I want to go right to running back because I think really offensive line of receiver there's a lot there but there's way more intrigue with this running back position um, we're going to talk about Maurice Washington more in our newcomer segment but um, in general him coming to campus and then Trey Bryant getting healthy and practicing without a knee brace really not showing any signs that he's coming off this major injury and nobody leaving the team at all has made that room very crowded. There are currently six scholarship guys in there. Miles Jones now is listed as a receiver on the on the 110 roster, but uh, then two very quality walk-ons, Austin Rose and Wyatt Mizur. Ryan Held's got a very hard job this August. That's a good problem to have, like he said. I mean, you have a lot of talent. you got a lot of versatility uh, with guys that can do different things. Uh, and so, you know, 
Troy Walters was asked straight up, you know, how, last year, how many running backs do you generally play in a game? And he said last year at Central Florida, they played about four, with one of those guys being primarily that slot receiver, uh, you know, I guess you can call it a duck R or whatever it is. You know, the, the, the guy's more lined up as a receiver than a running back. So generally three true running backs are going to play in the game. And so you're talking about a group that uh, has that many players capable or who have already started games or are certainly capable of starting games all competing for the rock. And there's only so many footballs to go around. And, uh, you know, I thought coming into the in the fall, we all assumed Greg Bell was the guy. And it was going to be just a matter of who was going to fill out the depth chart behind him. But, uh, you know, Maurice Washington has exploded onto the scene in just the first week of fall camp. And they're not backing down. I mean, no. it, it's like, it's, I, I mean, I, there's sometimes like unnecessary hype, like Thunder Collins when he got here and other, I mean, Nate can probably think of some other freshman guys when they get here that, you know, they're, they're going to turn water into wine just yeah. the minute they get here. But, I mean, it's legitimate praise right now for Maurice Washington. Yeah, he's turned a lot of heads. And it's not coming just from the, the coaches. I mean, it's coming from their peers. You know, I mean, the, especially the defensive players uh, have mentioned just how special Maurice Washington uh, is already. And, uh, and he's only been on campus for a matter of days at, at this point. So, um, you know, I think that's certainly a storyline that's going to continue to evolve going forward. But from talking with, with Trey Bryant following Wednesday's practice, I got the sense that the way they're kind of laying this out is that each running back is going to be counted on to go two or three reps in, in a game, uh, 100%, and then they're going to rotate in and out. And, and all those guys are going to get their touches, and it's just a matter of making the most out of it. Uh, I don't see how that can... I, I don't know. But <laughs> Maybe to start. I think if Eventually, you want to find your top guys, yeah. but who knows? Yeah, there'll be some guys that probably separate themselves, but uh, the way that, that uh, Trey was talking, it was everyone, it's not really, he said, it's not really a competition. We all know that we're going to get our two or three reps, and then someone else who's capable is going to come in and spell us for, for a few minutes, and then we, and they're just going to continue to rotate. So uh, it's going to be pretty fascinating to see exactly how they handle the numbers. And then, oh, by the way, they've got three running backs committed for the 2019 class. So there's no shortage of guys coming into the program at that position either. Well, the status of Trey Bryant, too, I think is an, probably just a, a key piece to all this as, as anything. You know, Maurice Washington obviously shakes things up, but we didn't know what Trey Bryant was going to be able to do, where that knee in, uh, surgery recovery was. But, uh, you know, Nate, you talked to him on Wednesday, and, you know, he said that he is not only 100%, he's better than, than 100%. And he is fully in the mix. He's not wearing a knee brace, and he's starting to look like the old Trey Bryant. And so all of a sudden that changes this whole conversation because, um, you know, you're talking about a, a guy that rushed for almost 300 yards and six quarters last year. Um, he's proven it, and if he's back 100%, I think that that definitely earns him a spot in that rotation pretty high up. A couple other quick notes to get to. Offensive line groupings, the number one group, Brendan Hymas, Gerald Foster on the left side. Cole Conrad's the center right now that we got to see. Tanner Farmer, Matt Farniak on the right uh, that number two group on the O-line, uh, Christian Gaylord left tackle, Matt Sichterman right tackle, left guard John Raritan, right guard Bo Wilson, and then the center Hunter Miller. So that's your top two groups, at least the way they were set up in practice. Um, really nothing earth-shattering there. Uh, we've kind of known Cole Conrad at least had the early advantage to be Nebraska center. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to the defensive side of the ball. A lot of early thoughts to get to from fall camp. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
So what we're doing with Luke a little bit is we're not giving him the full body of reps yet. He's got to get his sea legs back. You know, we call him the old man. And you can tell a little bit early on in the first couple reps he got, he had to get his sea legs back. But he's starting to get the flow back to it, starting to get the feel, football movements. Obviously, we trained for it all summer. He did a great job in the weight room and in strength conditioning all summer long. But some of those sudden movements we got to do left to right, he had to get his sea legs back. So I think he's doing a really good job adapting to it. If you're playing a drinking game, sea legs, sea that's legs. three. And by the way, Ryan Held said sea legs today about Maurice Washington. So that must be kind of like the inner, he's swimming in it line. Bo Pelini used to have that. Uh, welcome back to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus. That was uh, Javon DeWitt talking about Luke Gifford back in the mix. And the staff really didn't know what they were going to get in Luke Gifford. He missed the spring. He only played seven games a year ago. Uh, Bob Diaco, the former defensive coordinator, though, I, we all know that he thought Gifford was one of the best guys on that defense last year. He was playing some excellent football before he hurt that hip again, nagging injuries. But, you know, I, I think they feel like he can really get back in the mix. And Jovan DeWitt told me, Robin, he wants to play five outside linebackers, ideally, throughout a game and you would think Gifford's going to factor in one of those five spots no doubt I mean there's a chance he could start I mean if all things continue to go the way they have been and he fits what they want in that linebacker position particularly that side uh, along with Breon Dixon that ability to cover just as well as you can rush the passer and play up on the run I think is invaluable for what they want to do um, with that with that position in particular and so obviously his experience as a defensive back um, you know he was recruited as a safety you know made the transition to linebacker and it took him some time I think physically to get big strong enough to you know be a big 10 linebacker so he's there now I mean he's a legit 230 you know, 35 pounds uh, and he still has that speed to go with it and so you know the staff I think has been pleasantly surprised with what they've seen from him so far because they had heard all the stories about how good he was and you know how good he could be but it wasn't until this fall they actually got to see him in a football helmet and pads and Nate he's not really a good body guy when you see Luke Gifford with the shirt off he's not going to wow you with his physique I mean he's just kind of built I mean, he's like a Larry Bird. You know, he's just a natural, big, long, athletic guy that just has an instincts and feel. And he played quarterback in high school. He played safety in high school. So his feel for the game is what makes him unique. Yeah, he, I mean, he's just a good football player. Um, I mean, he's a guy that, that does have tremendous feel for the game. And, and you, I mean, you look at the production that he had before his injury last year. I mean, he was playing as good as anybody uh, for, for a good stretch there last season. And, um, you know, the thing about Lou Gifford is, is as a senior, as a kid from Lincoln, Nebraska, this staff's going to get everything that Lou Gifford has. And so uh, I think, like Robin said, his ability to not only cover but to rush the passer uh, brings you know exactly what they're looking for at that position and and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to to him having a, a pretty big senior season as long as he can stay healthy you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Rob Washett Nate Klaus as we talk defensive storylines let's get on the defensive line guys um, we got our first real look at the guys on Wednesday, and I, I think all of us can agree Ben Stilley uh, did not miss any workouts this summer. <laughs> Certainly he, not. Yeah, he, he looks like a brick house. I mean, I, I was kind of stunned when I heard he was around 285, 290 uh, when Mick Stoltenberg first you know, mentioned that at media days. And he looks every ounce of 285, 290 pounds, and it's, it's a good 280, he, 290. He's by the book, Nate. I mean, he doesn't put a bad thing in his body. Um, 
from food or beverage. No, he yeah he he definitely uh, he's he's all business all the time and uh, yeah I mean Ben Stilley is I mean pretty much a, a specimen because although he does weigh 285 like like Rob said he does not look like uh, you know a big stiff out there he's not this lumbering uh, you know defensive end he he is still going to be an active guy but with that added strength. Uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be fun to see what he does. And he was running with the ones, um, and he's another guy who had a very productive season last year. And I think now that he's really settled into that defensive end position, he moved positions like four yeah, times yeah. last year. Yeah. So I, now that he's settled in at, at that one spot, and then in, basically in a brand new body, uh, it's, it's going to be fun to see what he does. How about Damian Daniels, to uh, a guy that could really emerge as a redshirt freshman? I mean, physically, he's just got a body type that this team doesn't have many of yeah, yeah. He, he's he looks every bit you know 340 as well that he's listed at and you add 340 him, is what he's listed at. yeah Whew. and you you add him with the Vaha Vanuku I mean they all of a sudden have some some dudes at that nose tackle position with Mick Stoltenberg uh, they're going to be able to rotate a lot and that I think that was kind of a detriment to them is in years past they didn't have that ability to keep guys fresh and they were wearing down those D linemen so at the end of games they were just getting completely bowled over like the Wisconsin game. And so I think having multiple guys and the defensive line as a whole, the amount of versatility and depth that group has is probably as good as it's been in a long, long time. And I think you'll see immediate uh, results because of that. Not only being able to mix and match and get big personnel, pass per- pass rush personnel, um, and rotate a lot, but uh, guys are going to be able to stay healthy and they're going to be able to play at a higher level for longer periods of time. Nate, how many guys, I mean, think about this, 340, there's not been very many guys actually listed that high, but there have been a lot of guys probably that weighed, like Cruz Barrett, Zach Hannon. I mean, there's been some guys that have bad weight 340s. Jay Guy, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's a good weight 340. Yeah, well, and he's he's another one. He's really transformed his body. I mean, when he came in as a true freshman, uh, I mean, he's always been a big guy, but he he's he looks like he has really transformed that weight. Um, you know, and there's 16 defensive linemen uh, For three in, spots. In, in fall camp. And so, um, you know, when they say they want to rotate and they want to get guys reps and they want to keep guys fresh, I mean, they, I think they really do mean it. And um, the, the ability to kind of work with 16 guys during fall camp for, for those three spots is, um, I think, kind of a testament to how they want to operate with that position group. Oh, let's go to linebacker. Are you guys buying or selling the Avery Roberts has kind of bought back in? Or, I mean, are they just trying to keep him encouraged? I'm personally not counting on him to, to give Nebraska much this year. Yeah, he didn't have much other way to go. I mean, if he was going to stick it out here, he had to get better. And so – I guess naturally, um, he kind of bought into Barrett Rude publicly calling him out and uh, seems he's digging to be, out of the hole. Yeah, it seems to be taking things the right direction. But does that mean he's going to be a factor? I don't know. I mean, obviously, he he left a lot to be desired this spring, and I don't think he's done nearly enough over the course of the summer and early on in fall uh, to kind of dig himself out of that. Could hole. Could he even get a special team spot? I mean, that, that, I mean, that's what you have to look at right now. Is he good enough to even get a special teams job right on this football team? Uh, I'd be, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. I, I, I'm going to buy here with Avery Roberts and, and for the sole reason that uh, for why Barrett rude called him out in the spring. I, I don't know why Barrett rude would then praise him if it wasn't warranted. So uh, I think Avery Roberts has kind of turned the corner. Maybe he's a life changing type. deal. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know why Barrett Rude would would praise him if it if he hadn't you know deserved it. So I'm going to go ahead and, and just kind of put my faith in Barrett Rude on this one until we're able to see a little bit more. All right, let's close with secondary. Man, they added some guys. When you look at this secondary, and not I mean the length is what jumped off the page to me. When you see C.J. Smith 
and um, the JUCO guy, uh, the corner, Will, Will Jackson. Jackson, standing side by side. Man, I mean, those are some big additions they brought into camp, as well as all the hype already. And we'll talk more about Cam um, Cam Taylor later in our next segment. But um, th- they've added just a lot more length and competition. And you know, naturally, guys like Lamar Jackson, they're going to have to compete if they want to keep their jobs. Well, I mean that. Uh, that position group got rehauled uh, probably more than any p- uh, position on the roster. I mean, I hit think, the waiver wire. Yeah, I mean, basically, what is it? Like seven of the sixteen guys on scholarship are new, or that weren't here this spring, are new uh, to the team this fall. I mean, so that is a complete overhaul, uh, and I think it's for the better. That 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 secondary had a lot of issues last year, not only with their play on the field, but the culture within it. And uh, this coaching staff has called it out. I mean, Scott Frost said that that wasn't a good. Um, you know, culture vibe in, the, in that secondary, and they needed to do some things to repair that. And one way to do that is bring in a complete new influx of eight new faces personnel. added to camp. Eight, so there you go. And so I mean, you got guys like Trey Neal who's yeah, coming Trey in, who's st- eighteen starts under the staff. Will Jackson, who is a JUCO, who's coming in pushing for a starting job from day one. Uh, the freshman Cam Taylor, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about more about him. But uh, I mean, you got guys across the board that are shaking up every bit of this depth chart. And uh, I guess to, on the other end of that, some of the veterans like Lamar Jackson, you know, they're saying all the right things. You know, they they talked about how, um, you know, they realize what's going on. You know, they knew what this staff was doing this offseason by bringing in so many new players. And um, that's a challenge, a direct challenge to those, you know, incumbent starters. And I guess just from what they're saying to us, they're taking it the right way. You know, Lamar Jackson said, I'm going to do all I can to help these guys along, but there's no way they're taking my bleeping job. And, you know, that's what you want to hear from a guy like that, who, you know, the biggest knock on him is a lack of fire. And it seems like he has that fire this fall. Now let's just see if he's able to, you know, keep it going enough to earn that job again. Another name that I'm interested to, to kind of see more about or hear more about is Jojo Doman coming mm-hmm. back from injury. Yeah, he never even gets talked about. Yeah, and, and he was the guy who, before the injuries, I, I think uh, – was going to start. Yeah, he was going to start. He was going to play an awful lot. I mean, that's the staff was extremely high on him. So to see Jojo Doman out there running around making plays and, and not wearing knee braces – His or, legs look strong. Yeah, I mean, he looks really, really good. And so uh, I'm expecting – Uh, him to make some noise this fall too all right when we come back we're going to talk all newcomers in our next segment here as we continue this fall camp edition of the husker online show this is husker online your authority on nebraska athletics everybody's excited about him i have to do a good job we have to do a good job of making sure he's grounded and and build him up because he's still a freshman at 18 years old away from home and wasn't here in the summer he's got to know where to go at five o'clock and six o'clock and so you know i'm cautiously optimistic he can help us uh, this fall but i'm also not going to put unrealistic expectations on him to where you know everybody thinks he's going to come out being a heisman trophy winner game one he's got a lot of work to do just like everybody else and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was running backs coach Ryan Held about incoming freshman Maurice Washington on campus and what he's already been able to do in five practices. Um, he's generated a lot of buzz, a lot of buildup as we talk newcomers. And guys, with the new redshirt rule where players can get four games of action, I think Maurice Washington is the perfect example of the type of guy that this new rule could really benefit uh, because you could – pick and choose four games over the first seven or eight where he could get opportunities and carries. Yeah, and especially 
with the uh, you know the loaded backfield that they have right now, I mean that gives you a little bit more luxury uh, to play at Maurice Washington, where you don't have to make this ultimate decision of well we have older guys who could play, let's save him for this season. You can still play him for four games and still see what he can do, and if he's good enough, which he's shown every bit of it you know, so far this fall. Um, then you can make a full-time decision to say he's our guy for the whole year. But so I love this rule. It's a long time coming, and you're going to see Nebraska utilize it to its full extent with all the new influx of freshmen they have that are competing for playing time, if not starting jobs. Um, you're going to see a lot of new faces on the field early on from the season opener on. You just have to be so impressed with what Maurice Washington's been able to do. I mean, uh, just before even any of the praise that he's gotten through five practices or whatever it's been, uh, I mean, for, for him to actually qualify into not only qualify but to be eligible immediately uh, is, a, is a minor miracle. I mean, the amount of work that this kid had to do to make it to Nebraska uh, was unbelievable. And then for him to, to not only make it but then, you know, show up. Not show up like Jordan Stevenson. Yeah, not, yeah, not show up 30. <laughs> pounds overweight but he's in shape he's making plays he's turning heads um, and again it's not just the coaches that are kind of mentioning him it's it's the defensive players that that have had to try and tackle him on the football field I mean he's made plays from basically the second he's stepped on the football field you're listening here to the Husker online shows we talk some newcomers uh, new faces here in fall camp Jerron Woodyard junior college receiver didn't really get a good read on him, but I think he's going to play. Well, and Troy Walters said that he might be the fastest player on the team, at least the fastest receiver they have on the roster. And so, I mean, that's you, there's a reason he came in with that type of profile. He was the fastest receiver in junior college football. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's legit track star speed that I think is going to be able to thrive in this offense with the, the value that speed is put on at the receiver position. And then uh, tight end, um, Nate, a couple of guys. Um, I know uh, they, Sean Becton said Cam Jurgens. Is about ninety five percent now. He's definitely come back strong. And then I say Katarin is a Katarian. Katarian Lagrone is at tight end now, not receiver. Yeah, he he was kind of a jumbo athlete that they recruited out of Atlanta last year. Uh, could play wide receiver or tight end. But I think given some of the departures at that tight end position, uh, they they have some some room there. And and he's a kid as a true freshman. Uh, just based off of what his film last year, I felt like he had a really good opportunity to play. Uh, and I think he's made quite the impression thus far as well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk newcomers here in fall camp. I want to go to the defensive side of the football. Vaha Vanuku. I mean, what's his weight on the roster, Robin? I mean, it's... Yeah, I can find it right now. 290 it is, or 300? No, it's over 300. It? He's uh, at 325. Oh, wow. 6'3", 325. He's 325. He looks about 290. The way he moves. I mean, he, he yeah. can move. He's, he's not just your big ogre nose tackle. I mean, he's, he's got that, you know, the size to be a legitimate Big Ten nose, but he's got the athleticism to go along with it. And that was something Mick Stoltenberg mentioned, you know, back at media days that, you know, he's a guy that came in and just started benching a house and could lift every weight, but he, he's big, like but he's not sloppy. Yeah, he, he said he's not <laughs> sloppy. I mean, he's a grown man. Like you said, he's in his mid-20s. He's taken a weird, long path uh, to get here to Nebraska, and, um, you know, that's immediate depth that we talked about earlier about that defensive line, that he's going to be a factor that is going to shake things up right from day one. And speaking of weird, long paths, Damian Jackson, Nate, 
Do you see him? I mean, that guy, I can't believe how much bigger he's gotten. A Navy SEAL. I mean, he may, I don't know what his role is going to be, but clearly they like him if he made the 110. Yeah, well, I, I know that uh, Wednesday he was working out as a snapper uh, during the specialist period. So I think he's going to do whatever he can to try and carve out some sort of niche to get on the football field. But he's clearly one of the guys that, that is a leader, especially in the weight room. I know there's, uh, I was told there's a handful of guys in the weight room uh, that have really kind of gone above and beyond what Zach Duvall has required out of these guys and and Damian Jackson is is one of those guys Ben Stilley is another but uh, I think everyone certainly respects Damian Jackson and and he's uh you know regardless of how much he actually plays he's definitely a big part of this team and to cut you off on Vanuka what were you gonna add on Baja well he was the strongest player at Utah when he was there and so um and I can I can see why I mean you, you see the guy and he's got he's got tree trunks for legs I mean he's about as as thick as he is wide I mean the guy is he's just a big square plug there in the middle so uh, you know given his experience and and just his his physical nature I think that he adds a lot to that spot all right let's move on now the linebackers as far as some of the newcomers I I think you've got to look at Caleb Tanner right away Um, talking to Javon DeWitt this week he told me that uh, Tanner is probably further ahead than what he thought. And I think they had pretty high expectations of where he's going to be. We mentioned in our last segment they're looking at maybe five outside linebackers to play. I have a hard time right now thinking that he's not going to be one of those five. Well, especially with the need they have for true pass rushers off the edge. I think that's a role he can step in and fill right away from day one. I mean, that's kind of his you know best asset right now as he continues to refine his skills. But, you know, for being as physically ahead as you know this coach even expected I think that puts him in pretty good position to be a factor right away well it looked like on Wednesday that he was kind of working with the the number twos or at least the number twos in certain pass rush situations uh, coming off the edge and uh, yeah I mean that that was his specialty in high school he was a nightmare coming off the edge and uh, I think to his athleticism and length there uh, being you know an easy 6-3 maybe even a little over 6-3 210 pounds still a little light but very very athletic kid there <laughs> (laughs) A couple other newcomer nuggets now as we move into the secondary. Moses Bryant's playing corner, Mm -hmm. and he's one of those guys that he came in as a walk-on but probably should have been a scholarship guy. Nobody wanted to mess with the academic deal there, kind of a Maurice Washington thing. Um, It wouldn't surprise me, Nate, Moses Bryant, if he came in and contributed immediately – that he could go on scholarship very early in his career. Yeah, I don't think that he's going to be one of those guys that that has to wait until his senior season to, to go on scholarship. I, I think that uh, he will be earning it sooner rather than later. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk more um, secondary nuggets here. The one thing of all the stuff we heard in the secondary, Cam Taylor, the former quarterback out of Alabama, came to Nebraska as a corner, never played defensive back. Um, he has been a guy that's definitely jumped out maybe as much or more than any of the newcomers on the entire team. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he's the Maurice Washington of the defense and might even be ahead of Washington as far as the impression he's made in a short amount of time. I mean, literally everyone you talk to of who has impressed on the defensive side of the ball of all those newcomers, without hesitation, say Cam Taylor. And we got a chance to finally see him out there in a Nebraska uniform and he looks the part. I mean, he's long, he's athletic, he's big, and you know what struck me more than anything, he's got that swag. Uh, you know, he's dancing and basically looked like a guy that was going into his, you know, second or third fall camp, not a true freshman, just getting his feet wet. And I think that's uh, an intang- intangible that you can't teach. And uh, for a guy that has never really played corner all that much in his career, um, for him to step in and not only perform to that level, but carry himself 
uh, like a guy, you know, years beyond his age, I think speaks a lot to just how good he can be in time. Yeah, I think you can kind of credit that to him playing quarterback all throughout high school. He's got those leadership qualities. He, he understands the game of football. He's got those instincts, uh, but is just a tremendous a- athlete overall. Uh, and it looked like he was working behind DiCaprio Boodle on, on Wednesday. So, uh, I mean, he's he's going to force his way into that, that rotation there in the defensive backfield. Well, it's a very impressive class. Lamar Jackson said that this might be the best-looking freshman group he's seen in his three years at Nebraska. So, Kind of gives you a little instinct or insight as far as where the, this team is at. All right, when we come back, uh, Nate Klaus and I are going to close the show. It was a very busy week in recruiting. Surprise, surprise. It's been busy all summer for Nebraska. A couple more commits. We'll get Nate's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show. Listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's been really good, so it's real positive. Obviously, there's some, a lot of water to go under the bridge until 2021 and all that business. So we, got, so we have to stay on top of that. But God, I, you know, I, I don't think Frosty and the rest of the staff could be, you know, they're really pleased with how that piece of the puzzle is going right now. You've been good. doing 21s now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that that. That's been good. That's, you know. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That's always the very colorful Mario Verdusco. He's basically done recruiting Nate Klaus uh, yeah. for the next couple of years as he's got his 2019, his 2020, and he's already looking at his 21s at the quarterback position, and he's never really been uh, this far ahead in his coaching career at quarterback recruiting, but that's really how it's all gone, I think, nationally. Yeah, it really has. That's kind of the kind of the way things have been trending lately. But, I mean, for these guys to have – landed Adrian Martinez, Luke McCaffrey for 2019, and Logan Smothers for 2020 before they even coached their first game at Nebraska. It's just unreal. So, uh, you know, they're in a great spot right now to be very selective with who they go after for that 2021 quarterback uh, and to really take their time and and to to be uber focused on recruiting that guy too. I mean, uh, to not really have to, to, you know, wade through the 2020 recruiting and and all that to really focus on a couple years down the road is pretty impressive. All right, let's get down to what's happened this week. Um, it's been another busy week, two commitments. Um, it started first on Sunday night, kind of one out of left field. Offensive lineman Michael Lynn out of Colorado, 500-mile um, radius guy. When you count um, the JUCO guy, uh, Bland, that's 10 of their 16 commits, Nate, uh, residing from 500-mile radius states. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, that's that's been a big focus. That's something that Scott Frost wanted to, to really focus on once he was hired. Obviously, we knew that the Southeast was going to be uh, big for this staff, you know, with their ties to Florida and Georgia and, and so on. But, um, you know, they, they talked about wanting to keep the top talent in-state here at Nebraska, and they wanted to keep the top regional talent here as well. And, and so far, they're doing that. They're, they're kind of uh, they're backing up what they had to say about that. And, and to get Michael Lynn uh, at a position of need this early uh, is a big deal. I mean, they, they need offensive tackles badly. And uh, to now have two high school offensive tackles in the class, two big athletic guys, Michael Lynn, 6'7", 280 pounds. Um, you Zach know, Duvall, your turn now. Exactly. Take, take these guys in and 
Well, he's a big, long, lean athlete, and he's not a guy that's going to come into the program and Zach Duvall is going to have to to whittle down, you know, whittle 30, 40, 50 pounds of bad weight off him. He's just going to be able to start building him up immediately uh, once he gets on campus. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot to like about Michael Lynn. Uh, He comes from a powerhouse program in Cherry Creek, uh, Colorado, uh, a team that produces a lot of talent, a team that's always in the hunt for a state title. Um, You know, the competition level is good out there, and so – uh, you know, to, to get a guy like that in the boat early, uh, for him to kind of just go ahead and decide, you know what, I don't need to keep going on with the recruiting process. I can go ahead and end it now. I think it was a big deal. And, uh, and you're right, it, it did come kind of as a surprise because he was um, originally slated to, to come in for his official visit uh, for the Colorado game and, and maybe take a couple other trips, but he went ahead and decided to get over with early. The last high school tackle spot in the class? No, I, I think they, they'll take at least one more high school offensive tackle. What about Juco? Uh, and another Juco so offensive tackle. So three high school and one – so four tackles. Yep, four tackles in this class is, is what Making up for about three years of misses. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I exactly. Mean, basically. I mean, that's been a really, really, you know – tough luck position for Nebraska in terms of recruiting. There's over the death, there's taxes, and Nebraska not signing tackles. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> been really bad. And then, you know, you factor in losing Willie Canty uh, as an academic casualty. Um, you know, I mean, it, not that they were going to count on Willie Canty to play this year, but, uh, you know, they, it's it's imperative that they kind of stock that position, um, plus get a JUCO guy to kind of be a stopgap uh, while those while those high school guys kind of develop under Zach Duvall. Now, Nate, um, Nebraska picked up another commitment, number 16, on Monday, and uh, our own Chance, Chad Simmons from uh, Rivals.com, our Georgia slash Southeast analyst, was on top of this whole story. Quentin Newsom commits, big 6'2 corner, and perfect example of you get a guy on campus, you get mom and dad to Lincoln, I don't care where they're from, Nebraska's going to have a chance. Well, yeah, Sean Beckton and Travis Fisher kind of got their hooks in on him early. Um, and this is a guy that he had 18 offers from basically the majority of the SEC, ACC, uh, even had Stanford calling uh, from across the country. Uh, we all know how hard it is to get a Stanford offer. So, you know, he values education. He's a smart kid. Uh, but they got their hooks in on him early. And, uh, you know, it came down to Georgia, Auburn, and Nebraska. Uh, he'd visited Georgia and Auburn multiple times, but, you know, hadn't visited Lincoln yet. Uh, he, he made it to town a couple weeks ago. And once they – came uh it basically sold them just being around the staff and seeing lincoln uh and kind of breaking down a lot of those stereotypes that we always hear about you know all these kids especially from the south uh they think that it's nothing but cornfields and that there's you know john deere tractors rolling down you know rolling downtown on o street or you know whatever but they got here they loved it uh they love what's happening in, in lincoln they like the the combination of athletics and academics and uh, this is a big deal because maybe aside from offensive line, that defensive back position group is, is probably you know one of the more important ones in this class. And to get a kid with the type of versatility that he has at 6'2", 180 pounds, could play corner, could play safety, uh, and that's a big deal. And again, he comes from a great program. North Gwinnett High School went 14-1 and last year, the largest classification in Georgia, won a state title. Uh, so this kid has played big-time high school football. He knows what competition's all about. He knows how to prepare and what it takes to not only win a job but to keep a job too. So, uh, I mean, there's just an awful like, awful lot to like about Quentin Newsom. Nate, that's the 11th commitment for 2019 Nebraska's gotten since June 1. 
Uh, when you count Logan Smothers, that's 12 total commits Nebraska has gotten since the calendar turned over to June 1. And by the way, the staff did take about a month vacation in there. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, I don't, we really haven't seen a run of commitments like this. That's for, like a January run. Yeah, that's, that is a January run. And, and typically, July is, is a really, really quiet month where, you know, you see maybe some flurry of, of commitments uh, during camp season in the month of June. You know, you mix in some Friday Night Lights camps and, you know, Big Red Weekends or whatever. Uh, that's kind of been something we've all come to expect. But July is typically a, a quiet month. But it just seems like the staff, um, I don't I don't know what they're doing necessarily, but they just continue to build more and more momentum on the recruiting trail uh, the closer we get to the season. And, and that's, you know, something that we really did not expect, you know, heading coming out of spring football. Scott Frost even said that, you know, they're they're taking their time with this class and it's probably going to come together a little slower than than what some people are used to. But that's definitely not been the case. I, I don't know anyone who would have uh, kind of pegged Nebraska having 16 commitments a few weeks before the season even started. And they've got theoretically 16 commits, but at I would say at least 10 spots left. Yeah, I think so. They're going to sign at least a full class. I wouldn't be surprised if they are able to massage the numbers and, and get over 25 in this class. So Because they can count back like 12, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can count back. I mean, obviously you have to stay under under the 85 scholarship limit, but uh, they're going to get creative. But they were at 90 in spring ball. So, like, yeah. I, you know, I don't know like, – <laughs> Maybe that was a Sean Eichhorst rule that no longer has to be followed all the way to the letter of the law is they were at 90 when you count Noah Vedral um, on signing day last year. Yeah, and, and I'm just thankful. I, I mean, I don't get paid to, to you know, to, to make those decisions or, or to figure out how to make it work. But if there's one thing we know about this coaching staff is that they're going to maximize the roster to its fullest extent. They're not going to save spots for next year or none of that. They're, they're going after the best players that they can get, uh, guys that they love, that they feel like fits what they want to do on offense or defense, whatever. Uh, and they're maximizing this roster to its fullest extent uh, every which way that they can. Think about this, Nate. In 2018, Mike Riley was only going to sign 16 to 18 guys. <laughs> this staff has brought in 51 new players. Yeah, they, yeah, brought in, they ended up signing 25 uh, and then, you know, a, a class of, what, 23 walk-ons or so. And added Transfers. Some, added some transfers. I mean, um, JUCOs. Yeah, between the JUCOs and the transfers. There's I mean, 10 JUCOs in Division One transfers. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that we haven't seen in a long time. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's, you know, it's embarrassing that Nebraska got away from that because they've got to find a way to take advantage of everything that they can. And uh, to, to not recruit the JUCOs, to not go after transfers was uh, a huge mistake. All right. Well, that wraps it up here for this show. A reminder, Husker Online's running our Gear 99 promo at this time. So get online, take advantage of that. You can get an annual subscription for $99.95 and, and right away receive a $99 gift card immediately uh, that could be turned into fan shop credit. And we have the exact same provider that Huskers.com has, Fanatic. So uh, tons of great gear that you can buy for the start of the football season um, if you sign up for an annual subscription right now on Husker Online. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.